This podcast is supported by our friends at testallwater.co.uk, supplying the full range of test kits and reagents for the pool industry from leading manufacturers including Lovey Bond, Palin Test, Hanna, Lamotte, DTK and many more. And as a Poolcast subscriber, you can get even lower prices simply by registering at testallwater.co.uk forward slash Poolcast. Exclusive offer only to Poolcast subscribers. Here we go then. How long's it been, Robin, since we've uh, done one of these? Uh, there's been a pandemic since the last time, isn't there? <laughs> no, I'm only joking. No, listen, uh, it's been a while, it's, but uh, that's not because we've been sitting in the beach in the Bahamas or anything like that. That's no. because uh, we've been uh, up to rise in work, um, and uh, Graham can testify to that because I was busting my arse last week in Ch- Shetland doing yeah. some uh, doing some training and some uh, free consultancy, as they say, since uh, <laughs> I was on the island uh, cornered by Graham and Big Colin Nicholson. And uh, Ian, uh, Ian uh, certainly has a history with uh, that part of the world as well. Eh? So yeah, we've got an esteemed guest today, Ian. Eh? Yes, we have. It's been a while since we've had a guest, but welcome, Graham, for joining us, and thank you very much. Yeah, pleasure, and, guys. Yeah, um, so, Graham, just do you want to tell the viewers sort of where you're working, where you are at, just to kind of give us a bit of an idea? So we're way up in Shetland, way up north end of Scotland, as high as you can get. Um, I work in one of the leisure centres that's on the island. There's eight leisure centres in total. So I'm in the North Mainland one, which is kind of up in the North Mainland as such of the islands. Um, and we've been suffering from an algae problem that was kind of brought up with Robin last week while he was up. I've been doing a little bit of digging around into all our figures and all that, so I'm hoping to pass on some figures to you guys and get some answers back to maybe how to solve this problem like as such. So is there, if anyone doesn't know this as well, and correct me if I'm wrong, Graham, the Shetland Islands are closer to Norway than what they are to mainland Scotland. That's true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We can, the boat that gets from Shetland to the mainland of Scotland can be up to 14 hours long and going into Norway, we can easily get there quicker than what we can to... See, Robin, that's what you should have done. You should have sailed to Norway it's, and flown back. to Norway. <laughs> what gets me, Ian, is see when I deliver the training or when I'm over in Shetland, the guys talk about the mainland, right? To me, the mainland is Scotland, right? <laughs> but see when they talk about the mainland, they mean the main island, you know, because yeah. there's like loads of other islands and yeah. you've got eight leisure centres for 25,000 people. Yeah, is that right? So, so that's people, yeah. It's a phenomenal amount of water uh, per head of population, but that's because somebody managed to discover oil not far yeah. off Shetland, and uh, there was a wee uh, a wee bonus check uh, given to the island uh, to build uh, these eight leisure centres, and it's, Robin, uh, it's Robin. done well. Oil's the dirty word just now with a cop twenty six. So just <laughs> on the down low. Well, well, on that note. Um, Shetland is one of the leaders in renewable energy uh, and there might be another wee bonus check coming the way of Shetland Recreational Trust because their leisure centres have been uh, well, since the oil boom and the wee bonus check, they've not had a lot of money since, so this wee renewable check, hopefully it doesn't bounce, you know (laughs) uh, but uh, (laughs) it could help regenerate the the leisure 
provision in Shetland. So it could be good timing, Graham, eh? Yeah, it could be coming up well for that, right? Like, yeah, they're starting there to go. Some there you go. Again. Aye, brilliant, brilliant. So the reason the reason why I've asked Graham on today is because um well a couple of full reasons. So myself and Robin, uh we've been doing a lot of dye testing and algae clean. Probably actually to be fair, I'd say this year I've done more dye testing and algae cleans than what I've ever done in the past sort of three or four years, to be honest. Um they've all seemed to have been getting inquiries in thick and fast for this and obviously with graham having his problem um you said you know would you like to come and do a podcast he's agreed so so yeah so graham do you want to tell us the crux of the problem what um what's happening with it what it's like you know um yeah over so, to you, so we seem to have a algae problem in our shallow end of our pool it's you know we have a like a lagoon area which is probably about half a meter and it slowly goes into about up to about a meter worth of water and the tiles that were put down is all mosaic tiles are probably they're only inch by inch or something like that um they're uh it's starting to the tiles have been down since 1988 so they've been there a while um and over the years we've been cleaning it and scrubbing it and that sort of thing to try and get rid of algae and i would imagine what's kind of happened over time is wear and tears come in and they were always grippy tiles they were never the shiny tiles as such and but the glaze that normally kept, you know, the tile together has kind of come off and the algae is starting to get into it. Um, it. It doesn't happen around the inlets. It's more when it starts to push out the way into the water. Um, you'll see some photos that Ian's just bringing up that I sent through to him. That's that's because water sits on our side, Ian. There's a wee bit of algae there. And then when you go into the main part of it, you'll see other pictures there that will show yeah. the full extent of what we're sitting at. Um, we, we've tried various things over the years, like they used to, but a bit of history, we used to have a glass roof. You'll see one of the pictures showing that it's now covered up and, uh, we used to have this big glass roof and it, it, uh, would obviously be a horrendous thing in the summer. The whole tire pool would just be covered in algae. Um, a while ago, they did put on film to try and stop the UV light coming through. Eventually that got wear and tear and it never got replaced and... You know the algae problem became bad so much so that we were having to pressure wash the whole tire pool at least once a week um and it would be back within 24 to 36 hours it was starting to grow again um that's the closed over roof now so it's used to be a big area big area that was a glass roof and all that's in there now is five circular windows again pictures are there for you that are all being covered up with that uv film so they shouldn't be necessarily causing a problem, but we're still getting this algae problem coming through. Um, at, at this precise moment, our chlorine is sitting at with a free in the pool of 2.2. That's what the test I did earlier today. And, you know, the combined is a way down at 0 0.2. So it is, it is working well that way. But whether it's the flow rate, I mean, I've got the flow rate sitting here as well as 38 meters cubed and that's at 45 hertz so it is at kind of the level we think it should be at i mean it can go up to 50 hertz but taking in that energy efficiency with like we were just speaking about cop there um so yeah that's just to show that the windows are kind of yeah. they are filmed up as such and they're um uh, there's another two at the top that are all filmed up but they're, they're circular windows they're kind of small windows compared to what the big roof was and we were thinking the big roof was the main issue it 
obviously isn't. There obviously is more problems going on. Um, but it's got a good grip of these tiles now. Um, I'm sure Ian will bring up the photo eventually of that one because it's yeah. when you see it, it is like, wow, this this is a major problem. Like, and we're we're kind of at a loose end now of like, where do we go with this to actually bring it out completely? Uh, picture 1.9, Ian is an absolute peach. Well, Graham will not think it is, but it's a, it's a cracker. See the mosaic tiles that obviously have had anti-slip on them. Yeah. Uh, and they've kind of worn down. Um, it's a cracker. Uh, and if you can see that, I mean, that's, that's, that's grass, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that's, uh, you know, I've, you, you, you could empty that and, you could start raising a herd of sheep, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, you can see there in the picture, like where the non-slip tiles finish. Yeah. And you know, the like the normal tiles kind of come in. That's where the gradient starts to slip away as well. Aye, aye. And this is all kind of non-slip tiles where it's getting a good grip into, and we're not being able to clear it. I mean, you can see the inlets there a wee bit right at the far end of the lagoon there at, near the steps. You know, it's not around that area that's the issue. It, is coming away from there, like. So the thing is, you know, this uh, these sites have got UV. Mm -hmm. They've also had uh, dye tests, and yeah. the the site has passed its dye test. The entire pool was covered within twenty minutes. Yeah. So that's that's that's, that's it. Listen, after you and I have done a few dye tests recently. That's pretty good, Graham. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, well, Graham, to be honest, I put you in the excellent category after some of the ones that we've seen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I would suggest that there are uh, stronger parts than, and weaker parts in your pool. And yeah. that, that, that can be seen from the, the algae growth. Um, the problem you've got is that when the algae gets in, it's in, you know, yeah. uh, irrespective of whether the sun's shining or not. It's in, you know, so, and then it's, it's having to get, get rid of it. I mean, there's, there's two aspects to the algae. Anyone can get rid of the algae, mm -hmm. but stopping it coming back or slowing it down coming back is a tough, real tough aspect of it. Um, now, I know your sites, all the sites in Shetland, because they've been given good training over the years, you know, they're all uh, <laughs> implementing implementing good practice uh, and the standards are high, you know, um, and your, your, your chlorine level at 2.2, you, you know, you're satisfying the, the current... Uh, code of practice. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. The current code of practice and you're, you're hitting higher chlorine than, you know, traditionally that you mm -hmm. would need to disinfect the pool. Uh, and that should help kill the algae. But the... the the problem you've got is that see these the the first aspect is the tiles. Mm -hmm. Those tiles to a a tiny microscopic uh, plant life. You know you're talking right down to what we what two microns Ian, yeah. round about that. So you're talking right down to minuscule. You could fit a thousand wee uh, microscopic algae on a pinhead. Um, mm -hmm. So when they're attaching themselves to these tiles, these tiles look like the Himalayas, you know? So because of all the the gradients and the, how they're rough, 
because they're they're non slip stuff. Yeah. Uh, so they're rough. So they can grab on. They can get. They're protected by all that surface area. So because the surface area is so so great, they're able to hide in that surface area away from agitated water. So unless you actually attack that area with a deck scrubber or a chemical, they're just going to stay there uh, because they're comfortable. They're, 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 they're easy. It's like brilliant. We're here for the long haul. We're living here comfortably here. You know, it's no problem. You know, you can put you can put it up to 50 hertz. It's not going to make any difference if but you've the got problem fuel. Is as well, it's often a lot of the algae produces a biofilm, doesn't it? So yeah. it's almost like a self-protecting armor or skin for it. And that's where the deck scrubbing comes in because you need to be able to scratch it, so to speak, to let the chlorine penetrate um, into the actual algae itself to try and kill it. And that's that's why um, a lot of the cleans that we do, you need, you need something to sit on it, on sitting it for a while and to be able to attack it, sort of clean it, um, yeah, it's, I mean, those are the first times I've seen those photos, Graham, and that, yeah, it is, it's uh, pretty shocking. But, yeah. you know, the first thing that springs to mind with me is, I, I don't know about Robin, but I detest mosaic tiles and swimming pools. Oh, man, listen, the, I've been uh, told to cut cut down in the swearing on the podcast, but, man, that's a, that's a fucking joke, man. You know, yeah. mosaic um, tiles, kill me, kill yeah. me. I mean, you know? the reason being is just purely because how they're designed with the string back. I mean, the... Um, <clears throat> A pool I was at a couple of weeks ago in Solihull, Robin, the manager had a little pot on the desk for the tiles being handed over when the customers picked them out. Um, and I mean, they had the dive company coming in the week after to to put them back, and there was a big two-metre sort of square area that was having to get completely lifted and, and laid with the water being in there. But um, it's, it's, it's funny when the manager's got a little pot on her desk where she puts all the return tiles. Um, yeah. The problem is that because they, a lot of time it's so frequent that they come off, You'll get you'll get laser facilities that just get buy the epoxy grout, the aqua stick. You can get loads of brands. You can buy them that stuff ten a penny, and they start to put it down themselves. But over time, it's not been down put down properly. The gradient, you know, there's undulations. Yeah. You start to get you know the tiles showing. Uh, they're starting to get sharp, and then you know, especially in spas, you start to see people you know getting cuts and. People start because they're they're sitting on it, so it's, a, it's a, just a, a general in general, just a nightmare. Looks great when you when you yeah. build it in a five star luxury hotel and you've got these fancy mosaic tiles with the light in. Uh, you know they can do great things. You know you see it at the, there's a hotel in Edinburgh uh, that has got all the kind of dark mosaic tiles in the dark line and it looks phenomenal so it must be a lifeguard's nightmare because you can't see anyway but it's just not practical, practical. So, Graham, remind me how old is the actual facility itself so the poolside itself is 1988 november 1988 it opened up so it's okay. must have been in the rage back then because i think a lot of our pools have mosaic tile tiles in them there's a job lot going cheap somewhere in scotland <laughs> that, that's exactly what it is yeah and, and when did the first sort of do you know the history of the algae problem when it first started to sort of say, right, actually, it's a bit of an issue now? So I started here in 2008 and uh, it, it was probably about then as well. Like, you know, that it was probably even before then. And, I, mean, I hope there's know, no link here. No, 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 there's no link. No, no, no. <laughs> but, uh, but that's like when I started noticing it because I was getting asked to go in and brush off and scrub like, you know, it was... That's, that's newbies, newbies always get wet. Yeah, yeah, that's it, exactly. 
Okay, yeah, so, yeah, it's been a while. Like it's been so going twelve, on. thirteen years now. Sort of, um, yeah. you know, it's it's been a bit of an issue. So, what's the what's the forward plan to overcome this? To the management plan, should we say of it moving forward to be able to try and sort of uh, you know overcome it, control it, manage it, so to speak. Yeah. So we we had our glass roof replaced in two thousand eight. 19 okay. somewhere about there so i suppose at the end of the day that that's been a big factor yeah. to get rid of that sunlight you know and that that's maybe where we're actually thinking now we can manage this because before unless you were going to take that roof away then you know it was it well, was just well, Graham, funny you should mention that so me and me and uh, robin did a big pool in south london oh when did we do was it july time robin ah maybe july aye. august time and it was it was it was a big glass box on three sides and also glass uh glass um skylights not glass roof but big glass skylights yeah and um we did, we did the algae clean and dye test overnight and it was quite apparent we were still there at sort of half past six in the morning as the sun was coming up and yeah. then you could really see where the sun was hitting it and um it, it was an interesting one because it actually been okay and it was only a two-year-old pool mm -hmm. Um, but they'd uh, had a massive set of blinds down one side, didn't they, Robin? And yeah. they decided to leave it open during the third lockdown because they thought it would look prettier and not use the blinds. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then that was obviously three months of it um, not being checked for the January to March lockdown. And um, it just took hold, basically. Um, mm -hmm. And the interesting thing, well, the dye test showed us, showed us quite a lot, Um in that particular pool, I know you had a good dye test, but this had a horrendous dye test, if I'm being honest. There was, uh -huh. there was issues over the position of the plant, the length of run of pipe work. Um, and um, it basically had six shallow end inlets, six deep end inlets. Deep end inlets were fine, no algae there, Robin, was there? And no, then, it, was, it, was, it was fine, aye. And then the shallow end inlets, if you, if you numbered them, yeah. um, and we'll say it would be just call it one, two, three, four, five, six for our argument's sake. One and two, nothing. Three and four, loads. Five and six, nothing. Um, and it was strange because the pipework, the way it flowed in, it should have been best in one, two, three, four, and then all the way down and washed in the six. Um, and Robin, do you want to talk about what, what was discovered afterwards? Aye, well, I actually uh, discussed this with, with Graham. Uh, and Colin Nicholson last week, and I, I drew it on a bit of paper because um, we did the dye test, and you would, you would, as Ian suggests, you would expect the dye to come out stronger on the inlets that are nearest the the pipe coming in. Yeah, unless yeah. you know, and I don't, they didn't have valves that were adjusted to accommodate that, did they? Yeah. Ian, it wasn't, so it should be stronger. However, that when we were uh, take the video it was like really really strange it was just emanating out the inlets and then the two middle inlets it was coming out no bother and we're like, yeah it was like it was like wisps of smoke coming from a match wasn't it yeah it was, it was like it was like it was being sieved yeah it was, mm. it was kind of sieved out uh so we you know obviously we i think it took us an hour and a half for that site to get completely covered um in terms of the dye um, and we had great photos uh, of, and there was a guy with us throughout the time, so he's seen it with his own eyes. So, so that was a major part of our findings. And the algae, the parts where the dye was poorest coming out the inlet, inlets, the algae was strongest, right? Mm -hmm. So it did explain to us that the agitated water is really, really important. 
And uh, to cut a long story short, they obviously wanted to find out the problem or the cause of the poor, um, the, the, the poor uh, the water coming through, the poor flow from the inlets. And they did a, an investigation and they found loads of builder's rubble in the mm. inlets coming into the pool. So mm. that was obstructing the water and creating poor distribution of the, the water from the inlets. Had we not done the dye test, they would never have known that. Now, that mm. was affecting the whole water treatment process of the pool. Not just the the growth of algae, but you're talking getting chlorine into uh, other parts of the pool when it's required. Um, so that was... And, and heat getting equal temperature. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, absolutely. And do you know crazy. the interesting thing is, is Graham, is that I mean, obviously your pool's a little bit older, nineteen eighty-eight. So, but nowadays a modern-built system, we expect that you get handed over a dye test on, you know, usually on yeah. an email file now or a USB or whatever. But back back in the day, it would have obviously been a CD-ROM, probably. Yeah. Um, and with the last three we've done, there's been no evidence of any dye test ever been completed at the facility. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair, the last one we just done was a pool built back in the 90s, so I wouldn't have possibly not expected it back then. But funnily enough, they've got a major algae problem as well. And uh, when they saw them for their own eyes, because a couple of guys stayed back with us when we did that, they said, that's exactly where we get the algae, and that makes perfect sense now. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's an interesting one. But the dye test is it's, it's almost, it speaks volumes for itself as a investigation. So how are you going to manage this and going forward then, Graham? What's the plan? What's the action plan to give some people some hints and clues? And So another problem that we tend to have is um, our oh, alkalinity yeah. disappears quite quick. Okay. Um, we, we struggle to keep that up. So much so we were putting in about three kilograms a night, every night. And if you missed a night, it would drop below the magic number of 75. Like, you know, you know we couldn't keep yeah, that. Yeah. Um, at the moment, it is sitting at 80, which is fine. So that well, as Robin was saying it last week, you know, that's the coagulant working at its best as such, like at least it's working. And um, below that number, it might not necessarily be working right for the system. So um, that we need to try and keep that up. The reasoning behind that is we only use sodium bisulfate for our acid at the moment. So, and of course, as soon as you put in anything like something that might raise the pH a wee bit, it's going to fight back against it and it's going to, start pumping in loads and then before you know it you're back down to your 40 mark or wherever you were before like so I'm so we have actually i was gonna say i'm guessing graham that bisulfate is pretty handy in your case just purely because of deliveries and getting chemicals over to yeah. the island and you can you can get you can get you know it can be stored for quite some time yeah sometimes yeah. you do have a bit of a fight in the bag with it when it goes a bit solid and you've got to punch it around a little bit but yeah i'm guessing then um, bisulfate's probably the, the the best as in delivery i would have thought possibly i mean i don't know uh, it, it, it is, and for delivery, it, that is only. I'm not, not suggesting it's the best I, for that particular pool. I think, yeah, for, for, this is this is an issue that is arising up in a lot of Scottish swimming pools. Uh, with the the Pewtai code of practice moving the pH down, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of swimming pools are struggling to maintain pH below seven point two using carbon dioxide. There's a couple of reasons for that. One of the reasons is that carbon dioxide is the weakest of all the acids. Um, doesn't like agitated water. Um, and it's hell of an expensive. 
It's very, very expensive. And on Shetland, it's even more expensive than it is anywhere else because of the, the transportation, the, the fact that you've only got one supplier. Um, yeah. And so... So that you chuck it's not, all that and the it's not Mitchell Gas is limited, is it by any chance? <laughs> no yet. No yet. <laughs> no, no yet. <laughs> Working on that one. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah, so the carbon dioxide is a real struggle because listen, they, they use ca calcium hypochlorite. Yeah. Marriage made in heaven for soft water. Oh, HDH, yeah, calcium hypochlorite with carbon dioxide. The carbon dioxide, when you add it to the water. To cut a long story short, without going into the deeper, dark, darkest chemistry of it, it will add to the alkalinity. Yes. Uh, and we need yeah. that in a soft water. So it works works brilliant with calcium hypochlorite. And in a lot of cases, you maybe only need to add two or three kilos of sodium bicarbonate per week, and you manage to achieve that through cleaning scum lines or mm -hmm. cleaning deck level channels or poolside, stuff like that. So... It's never been an issue in Scotland, but now the pH has come right down. The carbon dioxide's gone through the roof in terms of price. Uh, we're having to look at alternatives. Now, the problem that you've got is that sodium bisulfate reduces alkalinity, whereas carbon dioxide raises the alkalinity. So then what you're, is, what you're now in a, a situation... It is a bit devil's advocate, isn't it? Because even if... Um, I mean, it's way too strong, but even if grain went for hydrochloric or sulfuric... Um, it, it will reduce the alkalinity. So it's a bit of a Sophie's choice. You've got well, it's, the, we, we've had a look at it. Uh, I think he's maybe adding bisulfate a wee bit stronger than he needs to. Okay. Uh, so I think the the size of the pool's not it's not big. Um, so and so the volume of water's not massive. So if you were to slightly yeah. overdose the sodium bisulfate. You're going to rip out your alkalinity quite quickly. Um, and so figures on that sort of thing, like our bisulfate is a 16% concentrate at the moment. Okay. That's what was measured this morning. And like our pool volume size is 162 meters cubed. So it's not a massive pool, like, you know, it's not no. a major, major pool. But um, so we thought about going down to 10%, Ian, to try yeah. that, you know. Just yeah, I mean, when, when I worked up in. Um, Cumbria in the Lake District, we used to work off nine, the 9% nine ratio. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, I've suggested 10, just for mm -hmm. a nice, easy round number, you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we'll work, we'll, we'll try that. I, I think we're going to have to try a lot of little things, and there's a lot of process of elimination. The alkalinity is crucial because you need to get the coagulant working, and they're using Dynaflock as well, Ian, so it's, a, it's, it's good. It's a really good uh, coagulant, and the, the good thing about the Dynaflock is that from a strength perspective, unlike PAC, the, well, it's a form of PAC, but unlike the pre-prepared uh, polyaluminum chloride that you get, you're not, it's not when it's in storage, because it's a dry product, mm. it's not reducing in strength. So they're, they're, the coagulant that they've got is good quality that's getting dosed in. But for it to work properly, it needs to be above that 75 milligrams per litre for the alkalinity. Otherwise, you're not you're not taking out the phosphates, which would be food for the back, food for the algae and other bacteria, and removing uh, other minute particles. Their TDS is through the roof because of the the sodium bisulfate fighting against the alkalinity. Um, so, and we one of the biggest things, 
it happens in every single pool plant operators course that I deliver, especially in Scotland or the north of England, is the detail in how you dose in your sodium bicarbonate. Yes. If you throw it directly into the swimming pool, into that warm water, or dissolve it in hot water, straight into the pool, not isolating the probes on the controller, not mixing it properly, you are asking for trouble, especially when you use sodium bisulfate, because the bisulfate will just go and attack that. You'll be raising the pH because you'll be converting the bicarbonate to carbonate, and it's just a vicious, vicious circle. It's so mm -hmm. crucial. We've even thought, Ian, about putting, putting, raking it right up to 150, you know, and dissolving bicarb in the cold water, preparing a, a, a good solution, isolating the probes, ramping it up to 150 to see how we get on, to see if that can, if it can sustain it for a period of time, to see how, it's a bit of a, an experiment. It's to a see trial and error. Yeah, to see mm -hmm. if we can keep it ticking over. Uh, and then it's just a case of, if once you know, it might drop a wee bit each week, but if they can add in one or two kilos, then that might just keep it up. But then just what you're not up, doing, yeah. what you're not doing is, you know, you're not letting, it's almost having a one hit and then not letting the biosulfate know that you're adding in a load of bicarbonate each day following that. So it's a bit of an experiment. I'd love to hear how Graham gets on with that experiment, see how that that works. No, that'd be good. You know, so it's this is this is something that's happening all over the place here. You know, and yeah, and the good thing is that Graham knows his shit. He knows what he's doing. You know, and and uh, you know, and, and the SRT up in Shetland, they're they're, they're half decent at what no, they do. You know, very good trust. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't have a lot else to do. You know, there's either they go to the pub or they, they work in their swimming pools. You know that. <laughs> Because <laughs> last time I was there, I was actually there for, I think it was last time of the time before, when they burned that Viking ship. Oh, yeah, yeah. Up hellier, up hellier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so I was, ah. I, they got to show me the ship they were going to burn, and I just couldn't get it. I was like, ah, what are you doing? <laughs> I, I was doing a three-day course uh, in July this year, and uh, one of the guys that was on that course is what's called the Yarrow. Yeah, the he, He's the, he's the, Yarrow, he's an yeah. upcoming Yarrow. Uh, big, tall guy, thin beard. Neil Moncrief. Uh, Neil, Neil, that's the guy. That's big, big Scotland supporter. He goes to all the games, or he used to. Uh, he, he's a Yarrow coming up. And Robert, who popped his head around the corner earlier on, he's the Yarrow the following year. So they're the guys that, uh, I don't know what the Yarrow does, but he gets pissed and absolutely out in the the sauce probably for a couple of weeks yeah. during the up earlier, yeah. but uh, like years more like not just a couple <laughs> <of> weeks. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of work that goes on involved in there. You know, creating. Yeah. Are you part of one of the teams, Graham? No, no, I keep my head clear of it all. Like you know, at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I think Ian, we need to head up there uh, for up earlier because uh, my my kidney wouldn't survive a night. <laughs> <laughs> Because they use all the laser facility. Well, they use click them in, yeah, they as, use a, in yeah. as a place where they party. And uh, it's a is it a two day public holiday on the island? Uh, yeah, certainly one. Yeah, certainly one. If not coming into the second day, a lot of people take off that week. Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so, Graham, other than um, thinking about the alkalinity, what else is there? Anything else you've done to try and help combat the problem? 
Um, not at this precise moment as such. Because um, it is a bit of trial and error, to be fair, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah. We, uh, with Robin being up in that summer, he was up doing that three-day course. He did pop his head in, and we had a bit of discussion on site of how we might go forward. And one of the things that was suggested then was to buy the HDH granular. Yeah. Because all we use is briquettes or we've got the shock. So we've bought that middle ground one. And what we're needing kind of from that is like a procedure of what we're meant to do with that and how to lay it on. Like, you know, is it, you know, use a pipe as such to get it down to where the algae is? How long do we leave it there before we scrub it off and that sort of thing? So maybe catch you guys for that at some point soon. Um, we, we close over the Christmas period for 10 days. Um, for like essentially what we do is we take all our public holidays in one go. So the leisure centre is actually in Shetland near enough shut. They're starting to look at programmes for maybe potentially opening up one or two, but we will be shut this year. And I plan on doing a lot then. I mean, as Robin was saying, our TDS is through the roof. It's it's 3,650 at this morning, like, you know, which is, and that's PPT. So that's, that's high. So we need to get that down. Our source water only sits at... 130 so we need to get that right down that's, like so that's that's nice water yeah <laughs> yeah so, aye. So, the source water is aye. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm down south though just outside london and tell you what my source water jesus you don't want to drink it i've actually got carbon filtration in my house it's that bad oh really <laughs> yeah yeah oh so yeah so uh we seem to be getting nice water and uh adding too much to it so we're needing to sort out our water but again as robin was saying going back a wee bit in the history of the algae um we used to have CO2 in here as well. And mm. when they started looking at, I mean, the cost in the island is like £100 per cylinder, like, you know, and some pools are going through a cylinder a week, if not two cylinders a week. So you're looking at two, £200-odd a week. So, yeah, you're right, the bisulfate is an alternative that's quite cheaper. We're the only leisure centre in Shetland that just runs purely on bisulfate because okay. it, the way it worked out at the team at the time that was putting in said, do this. Um, so it is now getting discussed that we bring back CO2 and have a blend between both of them. Yeah, the CO2 will help kill off the algae as well as you know, yeah, the it will hopefully keep the prices down, like you know, trickle it up and hopefully it'll keep the alkalinity up a little bit. And then every once in a while, it needs a boost, just yeah. use the bisulfate. And to be fair, you know, me and Robin did well, Robin mainly, I, I pushed it on to him, did a lot, a lot of work with Leeds City Council, uh, in the summer, I think it was Robin, if I can remember yeah. rightly. Yeah, and they had a very similar issue, but they were issued a warning from their supplier saying uh, sewer two will not be supplied for I think it was eight weeks, but it turned out to be more like twenty, I think, um, yeah. because it had been taken priority with the NHS, um, as a lot of gases had done. So we did quite a lot of work with um, sites that were using bisulfate for the first time, but then different to you, Graham, they were having to hand dose because it wasn't worthwhile getting tea tanks and you know for yeah. a short period of time, um, so they were hand dosing in, and you know and even still. Uh, there was a large commercial pool that me and Robin were at in Yorkshire oh, three weeks ago. Yeah. Um, open from, I think it was, was it 1975? I think. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, 76, I think. Something like that, 75, 76. And they were hand dosing since day dot and still are. Mm, um, wow. And it's a large 25 metre facility in Yorkshire. Um, yeah, so it was a bit of a, we were like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Ah, and the rest, you know, mm. uh, it was quite yeah. scary, quite scary. I think one of the things that Graham uh, needs to establish is uh, the food for the, the algae, yes. uh, the phosphate levels. Um, 
And that's a tricky one because I, I did a wee bit of uh, research and, and work on phosphate levels. And the phosphates can vary in the, the mains water. So it makes it difficult to try and measure what, what you've got. I mean, you can measure in the pool, but what when I was doing the, the phosphate testing, the mains water was quite high, but then the pool water was quite low. So I, I was, I was kind of, uh, I was a wee bit flummoxed as to, oh, well, there's not that much phosphates in the water, so that shouldn't be causing the algae growth. But then I went back to a marine biologist, and the marine biologist says, of course that's going to be the case, Robin, you do ball. Because the algae is eating the phosphates in the yeah. pool, and that's why you're going to have higher phosphates in the, the mains water. Well, so you've actually proved your point, you know, and I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, that makes sense. So um, that's that, that, that's what we need to try and establish. Now, we, we've had back the phosphate tests on, I don't know if you saw them, Robin, on the South London pool. Aye, aye. Uh, they finally came back, and uh, there's a huge difference between yeah, yeah. What, what we simply call high and low phosphate um, test, which is basically test the mains, but it's important that you it's the mains that's going into the pool because in case some sites are in boreholes or anything like that, yeah. Um, and then the um phosphate levels actually in the water as well. But there's a huge difference in that South London pool, um, ah, and that's that's the food for the for the bacteria and the algae. And that that's a difficult one. What it does do is it helps you paint a picture, yeah. you know, and then you can you can tackle that and you can use that as part of your, your strategy. Now, what we, that would highlight is the real importance of making sure the coagulant's working correctly, you know, mm. um, and that's that's crucial for removing the phosphates. Apart from that, I mean, I, I have seen no phos even being used in some I've used it. pools. I've yeah. used it. I used it in a pool in Oxfordshire back in 2015. Uh, but the problem is it's only a temporary fix and the levels will eventually tick back up the more you've done backwashing, the water dumping, just refilling, evaporation. And after two, three months, the levels are back to where they are unless you continually use NOFOS. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, I have seen NOFOS, seen NOFOS being used in some pools by hand and it created a film on the bottom of the pool which where it protected the algae. You know, it stopped the algae from, uh, from actually being tackled by the agitated water and, and stuff like that. I think uh, the use of a coagulant with a phosphate remover in it, I, I always like that idea because it's it's controlled, it's, it's dosed in continuously and you, and it's easy. Um, that's always something that you could entertain if it's needed, you know, um, as a part of the, the process and the, the process of elimination. But yeah, the, the phosphates, people don't realise that, that phosphates are used in, in mains water and it's all done properly. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's, it's not anything that's out of the ordinary or untoward. No. The drinking water directive, you know, are, have uh, very clear parameters on what Scottish water and, and other utilities need to use and, and what levels to put it in at. So it's all there for anyone to have a look at, you know, and if there's anything that's out of the ordinary... I can assure you, Scottish Water would 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 have to tell you. So yeah, so it's something to look at. But the the, the problem is trying to get a laboratory that will do the test. Yeah, which is not, which is the difficulty I had. Yeah, it's not easy, you know. It's Scottish Water. Uh, that's something you need to look into. But I know I've asked them in the past, and they've they've struggled to to get phosphate testing done. Um, but that's maybe something that I need to look into. Andy and probably needs to look into. Yeah. 
geographically around the country to help our clients uh, when when these problems arise. No, definitely. Yeah. But uh, thanks for the sharing those pictures, Graham. You know, yeah, so. no, no, brilliant, brilliant, Graham. Sort of, um, hopefully, people might have a better understanding of what they're up against. But um, it's almost an ongoing battle. It'd be fair to say that in some cases, if it gets a hold, it's like the Japanese knotweed of swimming pools. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. exactly. It. <laughs> yeah, it's um, an absolute nightmare, and you might spend years tackling the thing before you fully eradicate it. Um, yeah, I think that'd be a fair comment. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, uh, much appreciated you traveling the distance from Shetland to come on our, our <laughs> podcast. So that's us for another week. We don't know when we'll be back, me and Robin, because our work is just absolutely horrendously busy. But we'll put this episode up, and uh, hopefully, if we are not back before then, I hope everyone has a nice Christmas and New Year. Um, don't celebrate too much, Robin. <laughs> Take it easy, Ian. Yeah. Easy. Thanks again, Graham. Let's now see you in Shetland in the not too distant future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll be up soon. Absolutely. Yeah. Up <laughs> earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Cheers, guys. Excellent. Thank you very much. Cheers, Graham. This podcast is supported by our friends at testallwater.co.uk, supplying the full range of test kits and reagents for the pool industry from leading manufacturers including Lovibond, Palin Test, Hanna, Lamotte, DTK and many more. And as a Poolcast subscriber, you can get even lower prices simply by registering at testallwater.co.uk forward slash Exclusive offer only to Poolcast subscribers.